Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. This is your Bomb Wednesday service. I am Naima Cochran, your senior pastor. And with me, I have, as always, Karin, do you want to say hello to the people? Hello, everyone. I'm here as your your director of health ministry. (laughs) My director of health ministry. And we have family. Oh, 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 legal. Go ahead. Look Look at you. Look at you. Go ahead. Dealing, as always, with your haters and reminding you all, as always, Stop giving your wife that white man your money. And also his black wife. And his black wife. The only black person in the house. He was in your inboxes last week giving you, asking for donations. Oh, 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 no. I thought she she hit current up, like, directly. I was gonna say, oh, she 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 heard she heard you was chopped and, and came at you. I was gonna they, say, what? They, they, they don't want this smoke. They know better. They're not going to do that. They don't ever address anything privately. They do everything publicly. But Ray King is offering um, customized private schooling for your youngins um, because the Kings have homeschooled all their children. I did not look at what the prices were, but there's money. Obviously, there's money attached, but yeah. I, I mean, get your money alert. Scam alert. I would Scam alert. I do not suggest you give any money to anybody with the last name King. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, we also have a, we have family with us. You heard another voice in the background. We had or we're watching the video this week, right? You heard um we had Trey with us last week. This week we have Waz. Hey Waz. What's going on, y'all, man? Just happy to be back. Um I, I love I love the Sean King discourse as always. <laughs> last week I had an epiphany and I said, yo, Mike Tarico needs to sit down with Sean King on camera. Because Mike Tarico is a black guy who claims to be white. Who I know. To be white, and we have <laughs> yes. the possible white. Like it would be like Inception. It would be like 
No, no. The funny thing is, is that like when I wrote my Sage Steel column, I wrote a Sage Steel a Sage Steel column a couple weeks back. Calling I read that ESPN's uh, Candace Owens, but people don't know that like Mike Tirico has been on my list also because uh, he has one more strike to act like he ain't black, and I'm gonna get him too because I'm I don't have any patience. Uh, first it was Tiger, then it was Sage. Now it's him. I just don't have patience. For niggas who acting like they ain't niggas, because these white people and don't treat you like you a nigga. Like, yep, no, we not. I don't have any patience for us anymore. We don't have time for that, twenty twenty. But wise, we happen to catch you yet in New York. How's it feel to be home? It's incredible. Um, I haven't been home since January, which is this will be the longest time I've ever spent outside of New York. Wow. Um, and so to come back was just dope, and you know, catching up with family and friends and stuff is is the best. Um, I was. Happened to be downtown today. Went to um, Pier 17, South Street Seaport. Checked out their little socially distanced, the Heineken Lounge thing upstairs on the roof. Oh, how is it? I think I'm supposed to be going there this weekend. It's dope. It's really nice. Like, super nice up there. And then, but you know, I was, you know, my first garbage truck passed me. And I got a whiff of that. And I'm like, okay, I'm back home for real. And for you real. Were, right. But you were also like, this is why I left? No, well, I, I would <laughs> never say that. But I'm okay. like, yeah, you... You don't get a lot of this in Encino, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it, it was it was great. Now I just need to see a pizza rat. Listen, those pizza rats have grown <laughs> over the quarantine um, because while they couldn't get any food, they were they were uh, cannibalizing each other. So that pizza rat mm. might look more like a calzone rat. Like that joint is. Did you say a, a calzone? A, calzone. Str- a, a stromboli rat? A stromboli rat. Oh my that's, goodness. That, that's a marsupial if it's going to be that <laughs> That's how they look. I thought there was some clip going around of some rat getting literally drugged under a partition down in the subway by another rat. And then that rat stuck his nose out. And that joint was like Splinter from the Teenage Mutant Ninja. It was so big. And I was like... That, that, that probably was like the rat Sean King and everybody was just like jumping. That's probably what it was. I was like, I'm not <laughs> getting into subway until 2021. This is the longest I've ever gone without taking a train. Like, I I, I wouldn't even know how to act down there right now. I'd probably be bewildered. Um. Well, anyway, Waz, it's good to have you. Thank you for being here. Um. This this show this week like is tricky for me because I had a there was a sufficient amount of like foolishness that and light stuff that Karen and I wanted to talk about and then that all changed like yesterday and Sunday so we all so we also have a couple like heavy things that we really need to focus on heavy yes heavy things we need to focus on but I do want to at least acknowledge one of the really kind of light and foolish things which unfortunately it shouldn't be light and foolish because it has to do with one of one of God's shepherds. Uh, <laughs> Pastor, Pastor John Gray uh, rose to fame as um, an associate minister as part of Joel Osteen's ministry. Uh, part of Joel Osteen's ministry. Oh, he's 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 from the Osteen family tree. He's from the Osteen family, mm. and that that's that's not the proper way to and, describe. Well, let's just say what he is. And for some of us, no, I gotta give people, I gotta give the people some background. And then for a lot of people, they came to know him because he and his family had a uh, reality show on own the book of Gray or the book of John Gray or something. And he's like an author and fake ass relationship coach and all this other stuff. So and he wears Yeezys. I've seen like so when you guys sent this over to me, I was like, preacher who wears designer. 
clothes because. But that's not how John Gray became John Gray. John Gray became John Gray because he was the fat, jolly black dude that made the white people at the big white church feel cool. That's how John Gray got on. Okay, fair. Okay, we'll we'll let that rise. We'll submit that as well, right? So the thing about John, though, was that it might have only been... Was it last year? Was it the beginning of last year? Yep. It was just last year. Um, a couple of things happened in succession. The first thing that happened was, and I was already looking at John Gray sideways because every time I would see John Gray speak, Pat minister or pastor would be like the last thing that he was talking about. Like he'd be talking about everything else, first, being an author first, you know, being a public figure first. Like Pat, ministry would be last. And when you're an associate minister, that's cool. When you're an associate minister, ministry is a part-time job. When you become a senior pastor, your pastor first, your everything else second, right? Like that's that's who you are. You're supposed to hide yourself behind the cross like that's it. You have souls in your hands as your charge. So once he became a senior pastor of a church in Greenville, South Carolina, and I felt like he was throwing some bullshit. Like he would do Instagram videos being like, I'm not, I'm not a pastor today. Today I'm just a husband or something like that. And then he came under fire for buying his wife a Lamborghini. And then we found out that the reason he bought his wife a Lamborghini was because this nigga got caught cheating and sloppy cheating because there were vo- all kinds of voicemail messages and whatnot that got leaked out to blogs. There are there are Christian gossip blog- blogs, which is beautiful. Screenshots, whatever. So, you know, the, him and his wife do the whole media tour. And wait, it's wait, like, wait, 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 wait. You're forgetting yeah. about the screenshot about how the, the the side piece was giving him the wop so good he was speaking in tongues. Remember? Oh, right. <laughs> that was, I forgot about that. <laughs> like, oh, I deliberately, God. I definitely deliberately blocked some nah, details. Nah, you got to catch these jokes. No, because it was too graphic. It was a lot. But they did a whole media tour about how like it was just an emotional affair and not a real affair and. Then and it, was, it was the devil. Remember? It was, it was the devil. Well, she said it was the devil. It was the devil. And then on New Year's Eve, he sat up in the Potter's house, which is T.D. Jake's church, and, like, fell out, and he was battling demons, and he wanted to take his life, and everybody's covering and praying over him, whatever. Now, it happened again. So okay. now we got... But screen- this time, we have videos. We have videos. So last, so here's the thing. Last time you got busted on voicemail, and your solution was, I'm going to start sending videos? Dog, like he's so messy. He's so bad at this. He's got we got videos of him complaining that his wife don't cook, but also of him offering to cook for the home for the chick. Uh, him asking for side uh, bikini dishes. pictures. Yeah, asking what side dish you want. Him um asking for bikini pictures. Him telling her to get her best two piece and meet him at the clearport so they can go to Cabo. He's, um, show, he's showing the PJ. Yeah, he's showing the, the PJ in the background. Um, we have screen caps of him offering to send her Apple Pay, $200 via Apple Pay if she shows him her bra size. Um, she said something about him liking big areola. Again, something else I really didn't need to know about John. Also, also, he had his child in the car. Video. Confirming that his son eats the journal pizza every day because he was complaining that his wife doesn't cook doesn't enough. Cook. Um, wow! So his son has to eat the journal every day. every day. But then again, like I said, but in the very next video, he calling himself 
Chef John, Chef John Gray. So like, math ain't math, and you can't cook for your side, my dude. You can you can only cook for the side pieces. But 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 I want to ask you guys because you know, as as the first generation Haitian American, yeah, I'm not as tapped into the sort of black mega church culture as you guys might be because right. as, you gotcha. know. We got, we got you. you know, Whatever you need to know, we got you. Right. So in the hierarchy of that culture and that lane, what would you say John Gray is? Like, is he uh, like the he, is he like the Ariana Grande? He's not even one of the top black mega church because John Gray came up under the white folk. He came under the white mm-hmm. oh, so, so he's he don't in a even, different like, lane. He's in a whole different lane. But you know, he, but the but the thing he is he like Hootie from Hootie and the Bowfish. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> the reality show gave him credit. Out gave him some clout. I would say he's maybe like a who had to go. Somebody who who has only risen to stardom. Somebody who's only like a few albums deep, right? But like might be a little bit inconsistent. So I'll think a, a little bit about who that is. So he's definitely not like a superstar. He's not like um like he's not like a TD Jakes. He's it, not Creflo Dollar. He's no. not Creflo. He's not nowhere near that. And the thing is that he's only had his own church and his own ministry for a little over a year now. It happened right when this last cheating scandal broke. So he's still really a baby pastor, even though he's been in ministry his whole life, starting as a youth minister. He hasn't had his own church for that long. And Greenville is a small town, so I really hope. I think the chick was in Houston, where he still does also keep a place, because that's where Joel is located, because he's still affiliated with Lake as well. Yeah. So I just, my thought with John has always been like, he has said that he was, I want to say a virgin. So he got married. So like well into his 20s. So you couldn't get, that's always a problem. It's always a problem. So you couldn't get ass and, or you were taught that it was bad to get ass as you were growing up. Now you got a little bit of money. Right. Now you got some money and you can trick a little bit. And you don't know how to act because that's the only way these chicks are, are fucking with him is because he's tricking, but or offering to, because that's why the last girl exposed him. He was supposed to pay some bills and didn't. Or he something. never, he never, um, he never. Um. <laughs> yeah, and and, and wise to give you the example since your your family's from the islands, he ain't even hit a Miles Monroe level yet. If if you remember that name, when Miles Monroe had his run in the 90s. Mm. Um, so it's like so he's I, just I, getting started out. Now, and another thing I wanted to ask you, how often is it common for the people in these these circles, you know, these celebrity preacher types mm-hmm. to get caught with yes. infidelity stuff? Quite is that often. a common theme? Quite often. Okay. <laughs> from, the day, from the days of Jim and Tammy Faye, it's more common than it should be. The problem is that um, when, you're, when you're a pastor of a mega church. People tend to, actually, this is a problem. And I'm not even just going to say it's the black church. It's a church problem, period. People start to put the pastor ahead of the church. So you forget that you're really there for the pastor to guide you when you start looking at the pastor. You start worshiping the pastor instead of actually worshiping Jesus and God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And people are are very willing to forgive the sins of a church pastor. Like, it takes... It takes so much for a pastor to truly be scandalized and outed from a church. And like I said, especially with John, he's had a, you know, he's, he's had like the Oprah co-sign because he had the own show, which skipped him ahead of a lot of other pastors because he had that visibility. So 
the place where he has his church now, Greenville, South Carolina, I actually grew up there. And I was saying on socials, I was like, I know one on Facebook, because that's where all the people I went to school were. I was like, I know one of y'all go to his church, and nobody answered. Turns out, my best friend from high school goes to his church. And I didn't find out till the weekend of her wedding. But she was like, I think they're, you know, aspirational, and I think, like, you know, he he brings a good word. But but I also can totally see her going in for that prosperity preaching shit. I just... I just want to, I just think, John, you got too much dip on your chip. I just really need you to just like, just cool out for a little bit. Yeah, like cool go out. meditation retreat, seek God's voice because but that's not going to fix the problem. No, it's not <laughs> going to fix the problem. But it is, he needs to step away from the pulpit. The, the problem is that he has a, he has a pussy problem. <laughs> like, he, he, but he put pussy before the pulpit. He needs it. Like, yeah. your man has the nerve. Wow, that, that is a word. <laughs> like, he preached on adultery on Sunday. He's delusional. Like, the boldness of that. Mm. For all of that to break this weekend and you preached on adultery on Sunday? Like, are you kidding me? And the only one of these that I can remember that actually, like, dealt with some true backlash with this was... was um, word of faith. Uh, I think it, the daddy named Keith Butler in Detroit and mm-hmm. all the satellite churches he had across the country. And when that whole scandal with him went down, like his son broke out on his own and started his own church. So I remember going to his son's church uh, in Atlanta, the, uh, the, the church they had down there. And that was a huge scandal being back home and all the satellite churches they had. But usually, like Naima said, like, they, they they apologize, they repent, they cry, everyone feels bad, and then they're right back at it. Mm-hmm. And the problem, well, I would say, like, the problem of him not sitting down is because usually with black pastors, there are either one or two types. They're either, and they're the type of pastors that I like or one like this, ones that used to be ancient, and they got their life turned around, so they can talk to you with, like, a real-life perspective. Because they've been there, they've done it, they understand it. Or you get the goody goodies that blow up and have never lived life. So when we all don't this like, don't like the goody goodies and it right. comes at them, they, they don't know how to mess up because right. you got to understand the charisma and power that comes from being a black person. It has nothing to do with your physique or how you look. It's the right. power that you have in that pulpit and the way that you can touch people in an emotional way. That opens it. And if you ain't used to walk. Woo boy. Yeah. Well, not just, a profession for you. If you ain't used to attention, period. So I, I do we have a lot more to cover. So I don't want to spend too much time on John, but I just had to acknowledge like my dude, just just have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. Um step out of the pulpit. And you too, Aventor. Uh what what's her name? Aventura? Uh who knows? Homegirl homegirls love me like I'm Aventura. Um yeah, so you too, Aventor, sis. It's not this ain't this ain't on you. But your husband is community penis, and you need to um. But you stop know, covering him. Stop trying to cover that man because he ain't covering you. That's that word. Stop covering yeah. people who ain't covering you. It don't sound like nobody's covering nobody in that house. Mm. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> I skipped ahead, so before we get into the meat of things, let me take a pause for the cause and do a little housekeeping real quick. Um, I do want to remind you, as I do every week, that in addition to this show. Count the Dings has a wide array 
of programming for you, whatever your tastes may be. So if you want to rock with the Count the Dings feed, you have the Dad Pod on Mondays, you have Cinephobe on Wednesdays, and you have the Mailbag on Fridays. And if you want to rock with the Black Opinions Matter motherfucker feed, which is this, um, you have the OG show on Tuesdays, you have this show, me, Karin, hi, on Wednesdays. On Thursdays, you have Waz and Woke Bros, and you also have Trey with Growing Up the Same. And then if none of that suits you or you still want more after that, you can also subscribe to our Patreon for exclusive content. That is patreon.com, count the dings. Um, all right, so now. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You feel like I'm skip up all these, these voice inflections you just did because you ain't never, <laughs> you ain't never, the, you ain't never did the promos like that. It's yeah, your broadcast style. Uh, no, you, you was <laughs> it. I have. I never do them the same way twice. I absolutely have. You her, she getting right? her, she getting her sage steel yeah. on. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely have. <laughs> I don't know what's in your cup, Karim, but it's cognac for Kamala. Every 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 episode, every oh, you, we drinking brown. We drinking brown till November third. Yeah, <laughs> listen, we gonna need it. Hey, hey, you need to you need to get you some rum, some Ray and nephew. You know she's Jamaican, so the Ray and <laughs> drink some rum punch. We drink cognac. Hey man, they're gonna be eating Aki and saltfish in the White House, man. That's crazy. Why <laughs> uh, doesn't want us? Why's got us talk about drinking Ray and nephew? We will not be able to finish this show. It'll be like um, and then we'll just be here laughing and shit. Um. So I oh and I do want to give a shout out to the uh, GOP for the wackest convention. Oh my God, real uh, the GOP convention is surreal. But anyway, shout out if you need to be entertained but also horrified. No, don't don't give them white people. Don't no do race. it. And and don't and, and, and I, I actually just you know literally maybe an hour before I got on with you guys, I watched Tim Scott Blackass go up there and embarrass himself. There's a lot of there's a lot. Of, <laughs> it's distressing. There's a lot of uh, like. Um, a show parading of black people. No, it's this. It's a lot of house niggery. Let's just yeah, be honest. House niggery for sure. It's a lot of lemonade being served. A lot of house niggery. Um, but but you do. You need to know what the opposition is up to. But they're also very scary. It's a it's an alternate universe. Um. All right. So uh, let's get into shit. Unfortunately, uh, the media tonight is about loss of black lives or or the endangered black lives thing i'm happy to say is this one isn't about a loss of a black life but it was close so we all woke up yesterday to thinking that yet another black man had been killed at the hands of police um jacob blake a 29 year old in kenosha wisconsin was apparently breaking up a fight between two women i'm not sure how he knew them or how he got involved and when the police finally came to actually handle the situation, he was like, cool, then I'm out. He had his kids in the car. They follow him to the car, and somehow something escalates between him and one of the officers. He gets shot seven times in the back. Fortunately, he did survive surgery. He is state in stable condition, although he is paralyzed uh, from the waist down, possibly permanently. Doctors don't know yet, although they think it's likely. And one of the things that was the most disturbing, and we talk about this often, is there was video footage, but the way people carelessly just post 
the shit. Like I saw somebody who, a white man who, I think he's a journalist, but he definitely considers himself like a liberal and an ally who posted the clip simply with the hashtag Black Lives Matter. No context, no trigger warning, <clears throat> no nothing. And as always, as soon as I saw that there was about to be some shit between white between cops and a black person, I didn't watch it. I can't I can't watch death. I'm the same. You know? And I just like I really don't I really don't understand how people don't understand that that shit, posting that shit is not allyship. That's spectacle. You know, for us to like there's a meme going around right now that says watching black people die on video is not normal. It's not normal. It's not healthy. It shouldn't be like you can talk about it, but you can use stills, you can use clips, you can use pictures. You can you don't have to show this whole video of us watching um, black people die over and over again. But um, I have a completely different viewpoint on that. Which is, however, when black people say they can't watch it, I'm fine with that. But I, I watch. I still need to bear witness. I watch every single one, and if I had it my way. All of us could, but I understand that some black people can't ain't black because black people got the right to say no. I watch every single one because I never want there to be a millisecond where I actually forget how police and white people think about us. Right. I don't want there to be a millisecond. I want white people to watch every one, and I want black people to watch every one so they never think that we have gotten to a level where shit has gotten better. Because yeah. every time we make progress, mm-hmm. we take our foot off the brake just a little bit. And it's human nature. It's feeling good. Everything's going well. We had eight years of the best president this country has ever seen. But people also forget that during those eight years, Trayvon Martin happened. Mike Brown happened. Because we took a little bit of pressure off the brake, which we were allowed to do because we finally got to exhale a little bit and celebrate these black people being in the White House. And it was great. But during those eight years while we were celebrating, that other side, they was having oh. meetings. And they was getting their shit together. Oh, absolutely. Stuff started happening. And I'm like, look, I don't want this to ever happen again if we ever get a person of color or, or a woman in the White House to celebrate a little too much that we take our eyes off the prize. But Carl, but I want us to always... I, I get it. I want us I to know. about us taking our eyes off the prize because I I remember... Not all of us. Some of us did. No, but even some of us. Like, it's not... Yeah, people escalated the bullshit, but it's not like it ever stopped. You know what I mean? Like, it's, no, not, it's not like it ever stopped. We just had... We just now have more access to videos going wide and going viral. So I don't even, it, it's true that there may be some people and that may actually be more white people than us who want to believe we're in a quote unquote post-racial society. I don't think black people have ever forgotten. It's just sometimes we need to look away for our own no, sanity in order just to be able to function, right? Like if I remember how thankful I was when um, during Ferguson that I no during Ferguson, I, I worked in a space for a short time where I did not feel like I could properly process what was going on. And that was impossible. Right. But I remember during the election being so thankful that I didn't have to put on any fronts around my employees after Trump won about just how horrified and disgusted. And, and, and not all of us have that luxury. So there is a part of you that kind of has to decide 
I'm gonna shut it off. But I will say that I watched his I watched Jacob Blake's sister speak today. His family is a family of community like involvement activists. And I hate the saying like they got the wrong family, but like they got the wrong family. Like these they look like they were ready for whatever. Whatever. I don't know. Why do you have anything that you want to add? I mean it's it's not it's nothing to say, you know, it's it's horrifying. It's 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 terrible. Like you, I, I just it's it's hard for me to watch the cops act the way they do, you know, um, without getting overly emotional about it. I, I just do. I, I get emotional. And so I try to avoid it when I can, you know. Um <laughs> how is it supposed to stop when these guys never face any consequences? And that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like they're not incentivized to do anything else. They're incentivized to take the most extreme action because there's no recourse. Like you, you as a victim have no recourse. Your family has no recourse. You might be able to sue the city and get some bread, which is, you know, I guess. It's but they, but, but they, and they of, have, and they have money set aside. Of course. Just that purpose. Of course. Like the cops' pensions. I think that's one thing that people don't realize when, when, um, cause people are always like, they should sue the cops. Even if you sue the cops, you don't actually touch anything of theirs. Their pensions, like mm-hmm. by law, their pensions cannot be in play for lawsuits. If that was different, I think we would see different behavior. But yeah, but shoot, man, I, you know, and I'm somebody, especially when it comes to police unions, I'm a pro union person. Um, but 99% of unions don't function in the way that the police unions do, don't have as much power, as much sway, as much say-so as the police union. Um, but, you know, I'm at a point where it's like, yeah, you, you kill somebody in the line of duty for no reason. Man, your pension might should be on the line, bro. Should be You know, like, even the if they're saying, all right, we can't even hold you criminally accountable, at least case. something. Yeah. You, should have to, you should have to go eat, find another way to eat. After you kill somebody in the line of duty, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's disheartening. Um, and that is the problem is that the, the police union is the biggest, and I, and I also am pro union, but the police union is the mob. Um, yep. they are the biggest obstacle to, to police reform. But I do think that, like I said, some, something about Jacob Blake surviving, right? Something which is, I, can't remember the last time we had a situation like this um where that where that happened especially shot seven times in the back um something about Jacob Blake surviving feels like this this one's going to be different and there's already um uprisings in Kenosha we'll see if it spreads um and I do also think that you know all the people who were in the protest and in the fight when we were still on shutdown and they didn't have other things to distract them, have obviously gotten distracted, you know, and, but the fight's not over. But we'll see how this continues to unfold but under like, the next few weeks. Every time this happens, we say we feel like this is going to be different. I vividly remember. I've never said Rodney, that. I, I've, no, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying uh, I vividly remember Rodney King was supposed to change things. Because it was on video. Because it was on video. DA says that all the time. My my, my partner at The Athletic for the podcast we do, Hoops Adjacent, David Aldridge, the Hall of Famer, and he says Rodney King specifically all the time. He's like, I remember. We got these motherfuckers on tape. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be the one that changes it. And nope. Nope. That was not the case. Nope. Well, also, and that was also an era where 
you know, I mean, we're, I mean, we're still there. The America is such a pro cowboy, pro hero. Cause this is all connected pro cowboy, pro hero, um, pro military, pro police, pro military in theory, pro police country and, and anti, like basically we're a country that believes that, you know, the law, like, like you, like all of those things are mashed together. Like everybody grew up watching country Westerns and you literally like you, there's an association between the Cowboys, anybody who can shoot a gun, like America loves anybody who can shoot a gun, right? Not even people who can fight somebody who can shoot a gun. Like that's the, that's the American dream. And, but we're conditioned to believe that policemen, we've become conditioned to believe that policemen don't enforce the law, but that they literally are the law. Like we call them the law. We'd be like, oh, somebody call the law. Like we call them the law, but the police themselves are not the law, nor are they supposed to be above the law, but they, I think they themselves believe that. Right. So, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how we change to that because that's so deeply ingrained into this country and the militarization of police just further makes brown people and black people somebody they look at as insurgents because they're yep. not looking at it as service. They're looking at it as their regulators, which yep. is also not necessarily what police is supposed to be. Well, well you know? to answer that question, like you can't change it. And even if you do change it, you have to give it hundreds and hundreds of years for it to balance right. out. Because what people don't realize is that police started as a group of people to Take catch it. runaway slaves. Right. Also, it's an evolution of slave catchers. And yeah. what people don't realize are what cowboys. Cowboys are called cowboys because the first cowboys were actually black. Think about it, people. They're called cowboys. <laughs> right. They called us boys, so that's what they called the black pe- black people on, on the horses. Yeah. That's what that was the term. And then it became something else, and we just start referring to white dudes and wranglers with big hats, cowboys. No, those that's what the black people were. But right. over time and over history, people don't know that, and things got changed. And it's like, oh, don't what stands for this, or it's because of that, when it's like, no, 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 no. For the last 401 years since black people have been on this continent, <laughs> you that means if, if my math is correct, we got to give it another 401 just for it to equal out. Which is sad, but also frustrating in basic math, which is the problem. Well, the idea of us putting things in place that aren't going to be seen until generations later is something that we don't do well with as a concept. And that's also part of the problem with voting apathy is like, if I'm not going to see the change right now, if I'm not going to see it on November 10th, right, then what's the point? So that's something. That's a whole. We have to have a, a voting conversation. I mean, I mean, we're, we're, we're the country that laughed at Al Gore for talking about climate change. Correct. And look at our dumbasses now. Correct. <laughs> we've been talking about we've been talking about the ozone layer since I was in elementary school, and people don't even mention the ozone layer anymore because that bitch is gone. No, now we got I, now I, we got I, melted polar caps. And, I remember Al Gore getting laughed off the stage. Yeah. And now everyone's just like, damn. Maybe we should have put some regulations in place because it doesn't snow anymore on Christmas. <laughs> um, all right. So the re- I, I want to move on to the topic that I think that's probably going to take us the rest of the show. Oh, definitely is going to take us the rest of the show because we're rolling. Um, but first, justice for Jacob Blake. Please Google the hashtag. Take a look at how um, 
inform yourself of the if, of the of the situation if you aren't familiar with it yet. Um, please don't do anything that Sean King tells you to do. But Google the hashtag. Find other people who are talking about it. My guess is that since Crump is involved, like we might see Lee Merritt sneak up in there somewhere. I'm watching for that. But I also, I get the feeling like this family is not, like they don't actually need a whole lot of directive. Um, like his his grandfather was a pastor and a community organizer. His uncle's a community organizer. Like they they gonna hold this down. Um, but just a, justice for Jacob Blake, the steps to take, um, who to call, what to do. You can find that by Googling um, the hashtag. All right. So last week, week before last, HBO premiered a documentary called Storm in Brooklyn that is about the 1989 murder of Yusef Hawkins. And just to try to quickly paint the scene here, 1989 in New York is the year of the Central Park jogger case and the exonerated who... And if you guys didn't know, it's not proper to refer to them as the Central Park Five anymore. They are the Exonerated Five. The Central Park Jogger case and the Exonerated Five is the summer that Do the Right Thing came out and Yusef Hawkins was killed two months later. Um, it was the height of racial tension and unrest in New York City. And it's a year that still, like, if you were here, it still reverberates in the city now with all the gentrification with all the money, with all the everything, like it's, it's really that year is underlying in, I would say in, 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 in so much that happens here that has to do with, with racial relations and, and the relationship between cops and, and brown and black people and white and brown and black people in the city. So Yusuf was a 16 year old. Um, and also uh, crack was still around. So crack just was still to around. give it more context. Crack era. Was also a little cracker. So Yusuf was a 16-year-old um, black boy from East New York. He was going to buy a used car in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, which, you know, I think if you're not from New York, your idea of Brooklyn might be that if you're black and you're not from New York, your idea of Brooklyn is that it's black. But there have always been areas of Brooklyn that are largely Jewish, largely Italian. Um, and at this time, it was very segregated. It was very, very, very segregated. Um, and in Yusef's neighborhood in East New York, you almost never saw any white people unless it was police or somebody trying to cop. And in Bensonhurst, they really didn't take kindly to black folks. So um, you guys can obviously watch the doc because it's on HBO On Demand. But basically, uh, tensions behind the neighborhood with, with the young members of the neighborhood because one of the girls from the neighborhood was dating a black boy. And they figured when they saw Yusuf and his boys that he was that guy. So a mob formed of news reports will say all white guys, but there was one black boy in there. There was one black boy in that mob. There's always one. There's always always a Jason Whitlock around. Always (laughs) one. So there was one black boy in that mob. Um, A mob formed... They had baseball bats. They fucked up. They fucked him and his friends up. And Yusef ends up getting shot and killed. And at the time in New York, so now imagine this. So imagine like a literal lynch mob. It was all over. They literally lynched the guy. Yeah, a literal lynch mob. And this is all teenagers. It's all over the news. The the NYPD wouldn't even call it a race-related crime, which is crazy. Um... And unlike 
these the exonerated five, there were there were eight kids who eventually got arrested. They were not splashed all over the news like everybody else. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. because it was a heavy uh like they one of them literally the one who ended up uh Fama who ended up getting convicted for the shooting, the shooter, immediately got one of he said that night, like he left town and like went upstate or something like that. So like they hid they were hiding people, the neighborhood, nobody would talk. Um, and what Don, happened? Donald Trump went taking out whole page ads and right. newspapers. Um, of course not. So the neighborhood was closing ranks. Nobody knew nothing. Nobody was saying nothing. So Al Sharpton and a whole bunch of black people started marching their ass through Bensonhurst every day. And when they started fucking the money up, Sammy the Bull Gravano was like, "Who shot him? Go get him. Turn him in. Because now you fucking with my money." Um. So this doc comes out, and and, and I just. Again, like I said, this isn't just a black teenager got killed. This was like Yusuf rep- represents like in whole a whole era of racial tension in New York, like I said. And like everything that happened here, it was part of not that Al Sharpton wasn't already known, but this was part of like Al Sharpton's descent to where he is now. Um, it drove Dinkins winning as the first black mayor of New York um, later that year. It just again, like I said, it carried on. And if you were a if you were a black or Latino person of age in the city at that time and of age, I mean like a teenager old enough to remember and have processed it, that that still stays with you. So the doc comes out and there's police footage of one of the kids being interviewed. And then his his um aside like a side profile shot at him towards the end. And the guy's name is Pascal Rauchi. And it comes out that Pascal Rauchi is a radio personality here at New York's Hot 97, which is not only just New York's hip-hop station, but, like, one of the most well-known hip-hop stations in the country. Um, That he is a radio... Not a radio personality. He's a radio producer, but he was kind of forward-facing, named Patty Duke. And although Patty... Was not com- was not convicted of manslaughter. He was apparently towards the back of the pack, and all his all he was charged with lesser charges: menacing, unlawful imprisonment, inciting a riot, something else. All of those got dismissed. He ended up getting probation and community service just for having the bat for a weapons charge. Um, but he started it hot five years after the murder, three years after the trial, three and a half years after the trial. Just as hot is converting to hip hop, and he's been there ever since. And he's been the producer of like Angie Martinez's show, and he's been somebody who on air talent has often name checked. And from all accounts that I've heard, he genuinely is one of the most well liked people at Hot 97. Like, peop- everybody I know who knows him is like, yo, dude, so genuine. He's really warm. Like, he's good people. I have never heard anything bad about this guy until this. So, obviously, now there's been an uproar because it's like, how does this dude invade hip hop culture on this level and just like rock there for 25 years? And at first, there was a whole outcry and this is kind of like what me and Karin talked about the other week people were like you know calling out Angie and Flex and Ebro who didn't even start it hot until a decade later and all of a sudden like you again you directing your anger at black on air talent like 
That ain't got nothing to do with this. Yeah, like, granted, Ebro <laughs> was at one point also a programming executive. The nigga ain't HR. You know what I'm saying? But, like, you directed shit at on-air talent. Like, they had to Darden's know. name ain't at the bottom of nobody's yeah, shit. Like, they had, they had to know. They had to know. And I'm like, I... So, it would be like saying that five years from now, if the guy who films Ahmaud Arbery getting shot, not even the one who shot him, if the guy who filmed Ahmaud Arbery getting shot walked into your place of business, you would know... That's who he is. That it literally is that equivalent, and I don't think any of us can say that we would know that. It's it's the same. But they, everybody was like, "But Yusef Hawkins's case was all over the place." Yes, but not his name wasn't even on the wiki page. It might be now, but Patty's name wasn't even on the Wikipedia page for the murder and the trial. Like that's like out of eight people arrested, he was like number eight. You know, so and also like, to also to add context, people have to forget this is the eighties. No, Not only was radio and music, this but, the 90s, but no, yeah, 80s, like 80s, 90s. You got to remember that music media period was very regionalized back then. And mm-hmm. like how you was mentioning this use of Hawkins, like I'm from the Midwest. I knew about the Central Park case. I didn't know about this. But right. to give this a, a, a more national feel, this is kind of like if you're from the Deep South and you're black, this was kind of similar to like the Atlanta child murders. Right. And how other people didn't there. know about that. How that affected to that region, that's for a whole generation of black people in the Southeast, right. that changed their life. And this is what affected people in the Northeast uh, right. around New York and the metropolitan area with them. Because back then, people forget everything was regionalized. Right. That's a good That's a good point. That's a good point, um, Karin. So, Waz, how old were you when Yusuf was killed? So, I was only two years old, right? Okay. So, I was a kid when this happened, literally a baby, um, barely off of the Similac. When did you um, learn about it that you remember? So, okay, so this is the thing. I never learned about it. But really? it, as some no, but as somebody who grew up in New York, mm-hmm. neighborhoods like Bensonhurst and Howard Beach are euphemisms. Mm-hmm. Like people say those neighborhoods in a way to express like it's some different shit going on over there. Right. Like that don't shit go that there y'all doing in, in Crown Heights and, and, yeah. and East Flatbush and all of that, that's cool. But don't ever try to take it over there because bad things may happen to you over there. So Bensonhurst was always one of those neighborhoods that you, you know, had a connection to some sort of dark energy of New York. Right. Um, uh, It's it's just one of those things when you grow up in New York, you instinctively know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's certain places where people don't want you around. Yeah. Um, And those people are white. Yeah. You know, those people are, and you know, another thing that a lot of people don't understand about New York because it's seen as this liberal bastion of the world, the fact of the matter is native white New Yorkers are not that. At all. They are not that. They are not the artsy, fartsy, foofy people that love going to the MoMA. And, That's a, lot, not- and a lot of the white New York immigrants, like um, the native white New Yorkers, some of the white New York immigrants. But like, for example, I will never go to Staten Island ever in my no, life unless somebody what? Staten Island voted for Trump. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not. There's no way. Well, yeah. I like to tell people this stat all the time, right? When when the cops killed, man, I'm drawing a blank on on um I can't breathe homie's name. Oh, uh, Eric Garner. Eric when God. the cops killed Eric Garner, they did a poll of New York City. Residents, New York City, 65% of New York City people said, we disapprove of how the cops handled that. That was fucked up. That was whack. Right. 
they did a poll of Staten Island where it happened, and 65% of people said no, they, the cops did their job. Right. So that's, there's a certain, like, I don't know what you call it, like disconnect when you live yeah. in New York. It's when you grow up in New York as a black person, you understand that, yes, yeah, this, uh, this is this bastion of culture, but the, white people don't like you. They and just don't. More, I used to tell people that New York is low-key more racist than the South only because, at least when I was growing up, there weren't a lot of immigrants like that in the South. Now there are more immigrant communities in the South. But in the South, like, if you weren't black or white, you when I was growing up, if you weren't black or white, you had to choose a side. Like, you had to choose which kids you were going to hang with. You couldn't just be... You couldn't, like, literally, the, if you had to check a race, it was like black, white, other. But mm. you couldn't just exist in other. You had to choose where you're going to hang out with the white kids or the black kids. And up here, it was like, Puerto Ricans didn't fuck with Dominicans, you know, like even, even, you know, every culture is sub segregated, you know, West Indians don't fuck with American blacks, you know, Africans don't fuck with American blacks. These don't fuck with each other, these other. Yep. And then like the, 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 you know, the Asian people who own the corner stores don't fuck with the black people. So we, and we've seen this illustrated, like do the right thing again, considering that Spike dropped it in 89, but shot it in 88. And considering the year we had in 89, it's like, it's a prophetic yeah. film. Literally, like... 100%. Every, every Spike Lee film is a prophetic right. film. Even the bad ones. You could go back and watch it now and be like, ah, shit, that just happened last week. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it, but it also it illustrates all those dichotomies. White gentrified... It was the beginning of gentrified Brooklyn, so... The relationship with white gentrifiers, the relationship with the corner store owners, the relationship with the cops, the relationship with the with the Italian with the Italian um, South kids. Um, but yeah, so we I saw the reason I wanted you to come on tonight was wasn't just because like I, you're a native black man from New York, but you were one of the first people I saw like react to the news about Patty and um actually being Pascal, and I believe, like, you said, hot 97 needs to be ashamed, or hot 97 needs to answer. They need to, they need, somebody needs to be held accountable for this. Right. And, and, and the reason why it it hurt me, as somebody who, I promise you, for, like, the first two years of Power 105, I didn't listen. Out of just loyalty to hot. I'm like, these new upstart whippersnappers, I'm not listening to this shit, I'm hot. I'm hot 97. <laughs> this is what I do. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, these are my people, right? Like, the, the attachment that you have with hot 97 growing up out here is just, I, it's hard to Real. explain that shit. Like, your whole identity comes from the music and the culture that hot 97 was a part of bringing directly into your life, right? So, this is an emotional attachment that I have to hot. But then, you know, you just got to think about questions about who gets to be redeemed. Right. How do they get to be redeemed? Where do they find this redemption or seek this redemption? Why is it always us? Right. That's that redeeming people. It's always us. Well, and this always is us. We, we always have to forgive. Always. I don't, I don't we always have to, have to get over it. But that's what, and I know I know why you're gonna have to leave us. I was I was gonna say, I don't think that's gonna happen here. Like one of the things I was saying on Twitter where people were like, you know, Flex had to know her. Angie had to know. That's her guy. And she went to high school in Best Eye. And, and one of the things I was trying to make people understand is that there is there is no way you can convince me that Patty told anybody black who was 20-something years old, which Angie and Flex would have been in the 90s, that he was involved in Yusef's 
killing because he would have got fucked up on sight. Like, that's how real people took it. And then by the time he got to the place where he probably, or I'm not going to say probably because I don't know, but maybe he did want to tell them, how do you, after you form relationships with these people, if you have a career, and this is not me caping for him. This was just me trying to figure out what might have been going through his head. Still, when do you bring it up? And I've been t- talking to some people who used to work at Hot and or MS that owns the that owns the station. The thought is that there was somebody in uh, in the executive suite at the time who like knew family or knew him or who kind of like did him a favor. But again, they well they weren't doing background checks back then apparently, which I believe I've had one criminal background check in my entire career in entertainment. But also, because his lesser charges were dismissed, there still really wouldn't have been anything to find, even if there had been a criminal background check. But apparently there was somebody who knew, you know, he had taken those, during those years, he had gone to Baruch, whatever. And so I, I guess my, my real thing is like, like I said earlier, I really need people to stop making this about Angie or See, Flex. See, that's stupid or, to me, making about it about them. Angie and Flex. Like, yeah, it's not about them. no. It's, a, it's somebody got to roll in the C suite. Yes, yeah. I, I said because I tweeted. I said heads need to roll, right? Because this is this is this is crazy. Yeah. This man was a part of a lynch mob, and you guys write checks on the backs, the creativity, the yeah. exploits of black people. Like one this of the most notorious a fucking Paula Abdul station. Yeah, this is still one of the, the most no- It's still one of the most notorious. Race, like it's hard to shout believe, out to Paul like, but it's <laughs> but it is still one of the most notorious racial um incidents, or I, I don't know if that's the that's the, a soft word for it, but in it's one of the most notorious, not saying it's the biggest, but it's one of the most notorious in like the city's history. Like, that's how big this is. So, it's not even just like again, that that's what I was trying to explain to people. People were like, Well, Angie and Flex might protect them for a, for, for a check or to cover themselves. I'm like, in 95, when he was just a producer and, like, no. he could have easily been replaced. Protecting what? For no. what? He's not... They, they he ain't even talent. They didn't know. And, and like you said, at the top of everything, um, I, too, talked to somebody who used to work at Hot, mm-hmm. um, a good friend of mine, and she basically was like, he was the most nicest, one of the most yeah. charismatic cats um, that was over there. Like, he was one of the people that you liked over there. Um, and, and, I think you know, that might have been his own way to try to redeem himself. Who like, knows? Just who knows? to live a good but life. But my shit know. is this. Patty Duke, you can go work at a country station. Yeah, he not. You, get, you can go yeah. feed your... I'm not saying you should never be able to feed your family for the rest of your life. But you don't have to get checks in hip-hop. Right. We don't need to be the ones supporting you. Not And I don't care how young you were, all of that shit. I don't give a fuck. He it should be on us. He was 19. I, like, I might have been able he, to... Yes, he was a grown-ass man. I might have been able to lower look at of like 16. Like, he was 19. That's old enough to... Even yeah, if you're doing dumb shit. You can, you can vote. Shit. You can vote and fight for your country at 19. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the thing is that at this point, there might even have been people who who knew Patty as an adult who may have been willing to talk through this and forgive him. But now, what, what I'm not going to say what's bigger, but the uh, the additional problem is the deception for 25 years, right? Basically, you're ba- you've basically been hiding in plain sight identity for 25 years, right? Even though you weren't, even though you didn't get convicted of manslaughter, even though you didn't, like there are definitely 
there, it definitely was not, it wasn't difficult for him. Somebody was like, he went through a lot of care to hide his identity. No, the fuck he didn't. He just didn't bring it up. Or, or if that conversation came up, and this is what Ebro said, they talked about it once. And he said he got caught up in it, but that he didn't have anything to do with it. I don't know what that means, but Ebro says he didn't question it. And that's what I was telling somebody else. They were like, nobody ever asked him when they knew he was from Benson Harris. I was like, they might've asked him like, where were you when, or did you know anybody who, but nobody's going to be like, yo, were you in the lynch mob? Because nobody's going to think that your ass sitting here in hot 97. And, 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 you know, you know, the t- and that's another thing, uh, uh, people who never lived in New York, it's hard for them to understand too about what I call ethnic native white New Yorkers is how hip hop eyes they are. Right. Like even the cats in Bensonhurst listen to Jim Jones more times than I do. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, so there's this like dual relationship. It's like these dudes are like hyper wiggerized, <laughs> you know, <laughs> while also being <laughs> like racist. It's right. Current, I'm serious, is is a phenomenon in New York. Like that equivalent white dude doesn't really exist in LA, which mm-hmm. is the only other place that I've lived. There's a there is the white guy who calls his friends the N-word. Like, amongst his white friends. Right. They call each other the N-word. They wear Yankee hats. They wear ACG boots. They, they, like, they, like, they do the whole thing, the, the whole hip-hop thing, and are racist. And are racist. It, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> look, look, look. To, to add a, a, a lighter note on this, the funniest thing about this whole conversation to me as a non-New Yorker and a person that is not a fan of anything New York or New York culture, is that only a New Yorker would get mad at having another huge-ass black rap and hip-hop station to be like, and any other city (laughs) in this country, a black person would be like, oh shit, we get another station? (laughs) Hell yeah. But only in New York would be like, nah, B, Fuck that shit, yo. <laughs> it was like McDonald's and Burger King. We were like, the fuck we need it for? Yeah. <laughs> I ate fries at both of them, okay? Like, one had a better shape, you know, one had better apple pies. But I was eating at both of them. I wasn't boycotting Burger King because they nuggets when it's fires at McDonald's. Like, that makes no sense. Lines was very special to boycott Power. He was also of a certain age where I think that made sense when, when Power launched. So I, I get it. I just, it just sound, it seemed like some bullshit. Because it's like, no, like, and the thing is, they posted, but it was a bunch of hot rejects. Remember they started yeah. with Ed Lover and yep. they posted hot people. And I was like, what is this? But this, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I remember when that started in the dueling radio shows as if someone outside of New York, I remember, like, New Yorkers talk, like, nah, fuck them. They took so-and-so, they whacked. They cut it hot. And, and I'm like, little I'm like, y'all mad at niggas for taking a job? <laughs> like, this makes no sense. That was a brand, the brand was strong. Hot was, hot was a, hot was New York hip-hop. It's, That's the thing. Hot was New York hip-hop. So, okay, I'm getting the signal that we've gone way over time, and I know, Wise, you have to go. So we're I'm sure we're going to come back to this because the other thing is, so a lover has made, like, a brief statement. Ebro been talking about this shit nonstop, but whatever. Um, Flex hasn't. Angie hasn't. uh, Patty himself hasn't. MS made, like, a very brief statement. Hot did, rather. Patty has to make a statement at some point. He owes it to hip-hop. It's not going to fix anything, but he can't not. And 
I feel like he really should have been like he had he had to know. Maybe he thought he wouldn't be in the dock because he got off with a misdemeanor on probation. But man, they got that boy coming. on tape giving a statement. Like the nigga, like a person. You know that you know that fifty meme where fifty goes where he goes from power. He up that nigga guilty yeah. as fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Whatever he said, he did that shit. Yeah. I'm watching the doc and I'm watching him talk. I'm like, yo, son, you was really on this. Yeah. You was really a part of this entire ordeal, bro. And, and the thing, so people wonder, like, well, how did people know it was him now if they didn't know it was him then? Because now, in retrospect, he looks the exact same. So none of us saw, nobody saw that footage back then. He wasn't on the news back then because he wasn't one of the main, he wasn't one of the main kids in the trial. When you go on your Instagram and you stare at people for hours, like, that's not how it was. Like, it's it's not the same. Seeing a cat from one picture in a newspaper one time in your life and then expecting to be, you're going to be like, oh, that's the home. No, it's not the same. Like, I'm, and, and, and I don't, I don't want to see terrible things happen to Angie and Flex. Because in many ways, these are some of my heroes. Right. You know, like, I I don't want to see something bad happen to them. Um, I also think we collectively, we need to learn, we need to learn who to hold responsible and and, and to whom to direct our outrage. And and plot twist, when we're talking about something that a company did, it's almost never the black person. And it's never, it's almost never the talent, for sure. You know, so it's like, they're, they, you know, they, they cash their checks there just like everybody else. And, you know, Angie and Flex are both very comfortable, but neither one of them in the 90s, like, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be big enough to cover this shit up. Like, that, nah, nah. All right, I, I want to talk about this longer, but I know we got to wrap. But, Waz, thank you. Thank you so much um, for being with us. And you are welcome back here anytime. Our door is open. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. You know I love yes, talking absolutely. to you guys. Wait, yes. Waz, I just want to know it. Do you listen to 105.1 now? No, no, no. I, I, I fuck with the <laughs> Breakfast Club. Like, Clue, again, another legend. Somebody who I, you know, my whole childhood existence, I'm listening right. to these Like, these are people I have an immense amount of respect for. But, like, at, at first, trust me, teenager <laughs> me was like, this some old bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a cut. It's a cut. As ludicrous oh. as that sounds. It's well, okay. thank you guys for having me, man. Appreciate you guys. You're so welcome. All right, everybody, we will be, we thank you, first of all, for listening, for watching. In this case, you could be listening to or watching anything in the world, and you're here with us. Karin, anything that you want to say to the people um, on our way out? Oh, Cognac for Kamala. I made I made destroy you finale. That season was beautiful. I've never. Oh seen yeah, shout show out! Like we were that. gonna we're gonna talk about them more at length next week. We had yeah, that that, that's, well, I just me... wanted to say shortly that that show ate my face off every that Monday cool, night. Dude. Oh my god! Um, that's and, just such a phenomenal show. And lastly, and as always, people of America and the world, citizens, <laughs> stop giving your hard on money to that white man or his wife or his wife. We thank y'all. We'll see y'all next week.